the governors uh, got together and said, look, let, let's play for a hog. Let's play for a pig. Guyuma meets row the boat. Guyuma meets row the boat. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the pod of Rosedale, a bronze pig full of hot takes. I'm Ben, and Eric, you are out there? I'm here, Skyuma. You are, well, you, Skyuma indeed. They got it done against win. Brett the Hitman Gabbert, 31-26. Very exciting win. Were you, how worried were you that the Gophers were going to lose that game? It, it got dicey towards the end. I, you know, we talked a little bit, like, they were up most of the game. I mean, I think the entire game, really. Nothing in the second half completely shut down the offense all they did is run actually i thought the play calling was kind of scared they were like trying to run the clock out with like i don't know five six minutes left in the fourth quarter so yeah it th- that was a total like gopher kind of like, loss those are that's how they play it seems like for all, all these years that that's the kind of like just super tight run the ball nothing creative not hardly pass uh, just try to get it eke out a win and those always almost always end in losses so yeah i was terrified didn't look good so Here's the thing. At no point did your Gophers, did the Red Hawks ever have the ball with a chance to take the lead. They never possessed the ball with it being, you know, once per game or less. So it doesn't look, it's not quite as bad as it looks. But that was a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre game. I mean, it's, I think the Red Hawks had like 20 yards of offense in the first half. So for any Iowa fans listening to this, Gophers were up 21 to 3. At the end of the first half, it looked like just a, you know, laugher blowout, Gophers outclassing them. Productive run-pass balance, and the Gophers looked like in complete control. And then, I don't know if just fantastic adjustments by the Red Hawks and complacency by the Gophers, but then they just came firing back, and the Red Hawks had something like 300-plus yards in the second half, and they just came raging back, and the Gophers did not complete a single pass in the second half. Yeah, they just ran. I mean, all the fourth-quarter plays... They're just running plays, and Tanner Morgan looked terrible. You know, only completed eight passes in the whole game. Yeah, yeah it was well, like a scared offense. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They, they were just trying to ice it. I don't know, but I mean, Trey Potts was great. I don't know. We debated um, Ibrahim last week, but I don't know how much of a downgrade Potts is to Ibrahim. He looked fantastic. Yeah, the running game. A lot of waggle. Running game was good. I mean, that guy he had 34 carries for 178 yards and two touchdowns, and he single-handedly iced the game really at the end with just running out the clock and before that he scored the touchdown he had all the yards on the previous drive and that you know final touchdown i mean that, yeah 34 carries 178 yards 5.2 yards a carry two tds that was, that's great it was great but very much in control i don't know what to say about tanner morgan I think right so any gopher fans like this is like glenn mason his team's back in those years were always just run the ball first. That's the Maroney and Barber teams. They would just pound it and pound it and pound it with a big offensive line. That was what this game kind of felt like. You should be able to put up more points through the air against a Mac team. You know, it just, it doesn't make any sense that, that Tanner Morgan in what his third or fourth year can't create any more offense. You, you know, we'll talk about Petrus, but like you'd think Tanner Morgan would be at more experience, would be able to light it up a little bit. We were talking a couple of years ago, the the guys he was behind in terms of stats, like NFL 
quarterbacks, and he's not that at all. Well, I told you that. I mean, you and I debated that earlier. I, he's not on the level of Trevor Lawrence, obviously. That, that was never going to happen. But let, before we go too crazy into the woe is me gopher land, you will recall in 2019, Eric, I, well, I hope you I recall, the Gophers had some non-conference struggles as well uh, against some lesser teams. And that did not prevent the Gophers from having their best season in a very long time. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe Brett Gabbert, the much younger brother of Blaine, uh, maybe he's just really good. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he was he was making some nice throws. That I, well, here's here's my takeaway. I think the Gopher D does not look very impressive. I guess two games in, not not super impressed. Was Brett Gabbert sacked even once that you can recall? I mean, let me I can even look it up. I don't think so. I'm looking. Yeah, I don't think he was sacked at all. He looked zero pressure. Yeah, he, yeah. he was. He was. Uh, you know, I mean, he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't look great. I. I don't know if I would. Brett Gabbert. I mean, Blaine Gabbert was pretty terrible, also. Well, Blaine was at least productive at Mizzou in college. He didn't didn't pan out in the NFL. But yeah, no sacks for the Gopher defense uh, against a MAC team. That's. I mean, that's one thing to not get pressure against the Ohio State line. You'd think you'd be able to to generate some 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 pressure. Against. Although again, with Ohio State losing, we'll talk about it. Like that loss to Ohio State's not as not it's not a good loss either. You barely win against Miami of Ohio. I don't know. I, I'm pretty down on this team in this season. We'll, we'll see. Like you said, they have struggled early on and gotten better, and Iowa's done that too. Uh, maybe this is another one of those years where they're gonna just keep getting better. It's a little disappointing start of the season for sure. Yeah, well, Ohio State, yeah, their defense is just plain bad. I mean, that offense of theirs is unreal, but boys, they're they're deep, just terrible. They're just guys not in position, guys not maintaining the rushing lanes. Not great, not great, Bob. But I don't know. I think I think the Gophers are going to be fine. Well, we, we're going to talk about that Colorado game, which I'm actually really excited to talk about. And for any Gopher fans listening to this. You know, I know we didn't talk about the Gophers a ton last week. That's going to vary week to week. I didn't think the Miami-Ohio game was that much fun to prep, and Iowa State was just frankly more exciting. But we're going to get a lot more Gophers on this episode, I think. And I guess sorry if you're a Hawkeye fan and you're wanting more, more Iowa stuff. But I don't think Iowa's got a very exciting matchup coming up on Saturday. I don't, I'm not worried about the Kent State Golden Flashes. I'm not breaking them down. But I think the Gophers are going to be fine. I feel like they've got a good offense. As long as – well, I'm, I'm having some doubts about Tanner Morgan, but I'm also thinking that Gopher defense – I think they're going to be in some shootouts. I don't know. I, it's tr- I have trouble tr- trusting them. Well, speaking of Gopher fans, we forgot to do it early on in the sh- in the show here, but our commenter of the week, we got to award that out here. My, yeah, my vote. Yeah, my voters for uh, Chi-Town Hawkeye commented. He kind of broke down real detailed about replacing Ibrahim and his production. Didn't think, kind of basically agreed with me and my take on it, so... That's my vote is for Shytown Hawkeye guy. Oh, we're we're at odds here. We don't we don't see eye to eye. I, I appreciate that you you like that he, you found somebody that agreed with you, and that's your comment of the week. I, Extra I points like, if you agree with me. Well, I, I just like the simplicity of Shield the Burn. Frankly, it was just very very straightforward. Huh? I'm just posting. That's pandering. Some... You're gonna give it to the pandering. Oh, pander to me. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, if, the most insightful comment was that everything is relative, because that's of course true. I. We're going to have some conversations about what, you know, once we get down to, I don't know when the Gophers play the Cornhuskers, but we'll, we'll talk about expectations and what you can expect from your football team, but it's all relative. Ohio State's upset they don't win more national championships. Wisconsin's upset that they don't win the Big Ten more. Iowa's upset they don't win the Big Ten West more. And if you're a Gopher fan, you just want 
regular bowl games and you're but just upset. This is what's so frustrating. Is like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in greater detail, but as an Iowa fan, your team is now top five, right? You're a top five team, and we'll break down their schedule here going forward, but I don't see them losing a game for another month. You're going to have a top five team for a month. Minnesota, us Gopher fans, if we had something like that, this town would shut down. We would be so excited. It would be go for everything. And and I know that is kind of how you guys are in Iowa, but it just seems like, ho-hum, yeah, we beat a top 10 team when I were in the top five. Yeah, it'll be all right going forward. I would be ecstatic. How are you not more excited for this team? Well, we're not talking about Iowa yet. I'm very excited. We, we can talk about plenty of things, but I, there's also cost for reservation. If we're transitioning to talk about Iowa, Iowa State, Eric, do you, are you familiar with the, the Minnesota Vikings? the professional football team in Minnesota. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, they lost yesterday. They lost. Well, I, I, do you remember the year 2016 by chance? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Maybe you'll recall, the Vikings started off their season 5-0, and and I was there in the midst of a Vikings mania. People were going nuts. Some people were claiming that Bradford was going to throw zero interceptions the entire <laughs> year. People were losing their minds, and old Benny Boohoo observed, well, the – Vikings are getting a lot of defensive and special teams touchdowns. Their offense hasn't been super great, and those will probably go away at some point. So I, I get what you're saying, but my point is, in terms of just like looking at your program, if the Gophers had a top five team in the first month of the season, and then maybe for a month straight, that would be an all that'd be the best moment in Gopher history that we've had. And you guys, the high, Iowa fans. Or just, you know, sort of, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like, you're, you're going to sit here and try to convince me they may lose a game going forward. But, yes, maybe they won't win the national title. I'll, I'll grant you that. Maybe they're not going to be in a playoff. Maybe they'll lose a Big Ten game towards the end of the season. Wisconsin, Penn State, one of those harder games. But, like, right now, as you sit at this moment right now, they're a top five team with probably not a loss for another month. That's incredible. As a, I'm just, as a Gopher fan, super jealous of that. I wish we had a program like that where we could ever have a moment like that. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, I'm going to be floating on cloud nine for a while here because, yeah, we've got two very winnable games against, quote-unquote, lesser competition, Kent State and Colorado State. So, no, I should not lose those games. And the Maryland game is pretty winnable also. And we'll see. Maybe they're better than we realize, but probably not a great defense. And hopefully this very elite offense and special team unit can shut them down. So, and, yes, and now the Gophers play Colorado, which I don't think they'll win that game. You know, they're okay. they're going to be one and two, just sort of rolling their way through the season. And they haven't really, really gotten into the meat of their schedule yet. I don't, well, I think you're a little far too down on the Gophers. I still think they're pretty talented. They, they have some, some ballers in the receiving game. I think they're going to be just fine. I think an eight or nine win season is very much in the cards. There's some some really bad teams in the Big Ten West. But, yeah, that Colorado game is a linchpin. If they can win that one, they'll be in really great shape going down the road. But, Eric, I wanted to – this is – I want to explain to anybody – I want to get your reaction to this because this is hilarious and this indicates how Iowa and Iowa State works, this game. So it's Friday, the day before the Iowa-Iowa State game. People are wearing their colors – I've got my neighbors who are pulling flags out of nowhere to declare their allegiance. And my daughter, who's in kindergarten, what do they do? They do a straw poll of who supports the Cyclones versus who supports the Hawkeyes. 20 to 7 in favor of the Hawkeyes, by the way. Would that have ever happened in the Twin Cities, Eric? Hey, we're going to no. do a straw poll to see 
who supports the Packers? No, it wouldn't. It's it's ludicrous. It's a very no ludicrous game, and it's hard to articulate just how bizarre it is. It is very unique and weird. People care about football that don't usually care about football, but they care about that game, and they, they very much will come out of the woodworks on both sides. It's very, very weird. It's like my daughter told me, oh, yeah, we did we did a vote. I voted for the Hawkeyes for you, Dad. It was very sweet, and it was like, oh, my God, why did they? It's like indoctrinating very early in the Iowa State Rivalry. And everybody, I've been asked twice by neighbors, which way do you go? And they want to know whether a, a Hawkeye or a Cyclone has moved into the house that I'm in. I just Is can't it always imagine. friendly? It, it doesn't get nasty, right? It's always pretty friendly, though, right? Oh, well, not, no, not in, not in that scenario, no. I've gotten spats with, with friends before, and I, I have relatives who will make annoying comments, but no, it's not like people aren't like putting like roadkill on my yard or anything like that it's not that level of crazy but people care and it's noticeable and you you very early on at a young age you're like picking a side in a way that yeah i don't think it applies to very very few places is that an actual certainly not minnesota wouldn't be with i mean you just other than the occasional weird packer and badger fan it's all gophers and all vikings it's anyway very very weird no eric i i'm very very excited that was a massive win I was getting tons of respect nationally. I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah, they're top five in one of the polls. I don't remember which is which. It was great on national TV. It was the only top 10 game. Uh, the Oregon-Ohio State game was legitimately fun to watch. Keep an eye on that one, too. But it was getting a lot of eyeballs, a lot of respect. It's fantastic. This Iowa's defense is is incredible. We'll yeah, see. so I had I had myself an Iowa weekend too. My my whole family from Iowa, my wife's family came up and they stayed with us. So. Everybody had their Iowa gear on. We all watched it. Shouts to the Johnsons. And uh, <laughs> everybody was obsessed. Johnsons. And, woo! You know, they were kind of all feeling, I think, the same way you were going into the game. A little concerned. A lot of them, I think, thought Iowa State might win. And I think it was more relief after the game. But it's funny. It's fun to watch a game with people that are used to having a good team. You know, no doubts, I think, in that game. It, it did get... A little close. The de- like you said, the defense just dominated. No, it wasn't nearly as close as that final score would indicate. I mean, some if you looked at the stats, you'd say, oh, man, this is a weird game. Iowa won because of turnovers, which is true. But Iowa State got a lot of garbage time yards. I, mean, I don't know if you saw how bored Kirk Herstreet and Reese Davis were at the end of the game, but they were just, like, filling space, you know, knocking over themselves to try to praise Iowa State's effort. And uh, they kept trying. And they were, they were talking about the 2002 Iowa football team, which was hilarious. That was the one with Brad Banks. They're talking about Dallas Clark. And it was like, they're reminiscing about an Iowa team from 20 years ago. That's hilarious. They just don't know yeah. what else to talk about yeah. in a game that wasn't and was supposed to be exciting then ended up not being. A lot of disappointed, sunburnt Iowa State fans, too. Oh, I saw those pictures. One guy had overalls and looked like he had a very wicked, wicked sunburn. Yeah. A lot of disrespect for Iowa State. I mean, with Ashton Kutcher being the picker for game day and Lee, Lee Corso was throwing burns. He was spitting fire. I mean, did you see that, Eric? I saw it just the very end where he did the helmet or the, you know, the mascot hat thing. Yeah, right. Well, right, right before that, he said, all right, I want the Iowa State fans to take a look at the trophy. They haven't seen it in a while. Because it's been many years that I was now one. They didn't play last year. I think they've won, they've won six straight. Matt Campbell's now 0-5 against the Hawkeyes. Uh, it's really bizarre how they just, they're just, I was taking up space in their head. I hope Iowa State's charging them rent for that real estate. So it was bizarre. Brock Purdy looked shook. Very, very shook. Yeah, he didn't look good at all. So didn't Kutcher go to Iowa State? 
He went to Iowa for like a semester. Maybe, oh, okay. Maybe a year. And then he's like, oh, I'm very pretty, so I'm going to go be a model. And then, you know, whatever he got, that 70s show. And so he became a venture capitalist, and now he's got $200 million. So I guess good for him. I don't know. He claims the Hawkeyes. I mean, I know you don't want to hear that that the Iowa's offense is potentially a problem, but it's it's not just Petrus. The O-line, they got a lot of young guys on the on the O-line, and Iowa's offense had 173 yards of offense. I mean, they, they had maybe 20 in the whole second half. They didn't have to do anything. Literally, the defense did everything in special teams. All 13 points in the second half was because of the defense and special teams. The offense was almost a detriment with Petrus taking sacks, moving them out of field goal range. Has the defense outscored the offense so far? Depends on if you count the field goals. That Sure, uh, yeah, the throw them in there. Out. Defense so, and field goals. Oh, then yes, I would say yes. So outright, the defense has scored 21 points and only given up 23, which is an astounding stat. Wow. Iowa's defense just punt, they should just punt. Just Every time they get the ball, just punt it. That See, that would be almost glorious. So I, I do have an announcement to make. I think I'm really strongly considering starting a Tory Taylor worshipping cult, moving to Australia in the outback, covering myself in Vegemite and sacrificing kangaroos because he is amazing. He had a 69-yard punt that could have been maybe an 80-yard punt. It, it, I don't, do, you, do you recall this player? I don't, not specifically. Iowa was, but I know he's he was like the player of the week, right? Wasn't Co-Big Ten Special Team Player of the Week with Rutgers, who also has an Australian punter who's also phenomenal, unfortunately. But I I went the ball, and I don't know, it was like their own 10 or 5. The offense did nothing. Troy Taylor was punting from his own end zone, and he booted it to, like, Iowa State's, I don't know, well, right in midfield. And the Iowa State guy didn't field it. He could have, but he went no, and he almost looked like he maybe touched it, and it kept bouncing furiously. And then Iowa's punt coverage team pulled the ball in, as it's still bouncing, because there was, they thought there was a chance that I was like I touched it and it'd be a turnover. If they'd let it bounce, it would have gone another 10, 15 yards. But it was ended up being a 69-yard punt and completely, completely flipped field position, despite the fact that Iowa's offense did nothing. It was, it was just great. Charlie Jones is incredible too. I, he scares me to death all the time, but he is so fun to watch. He wants to break it. I use the metaphor. I mean, I, this feels a lot like the 2006 Chicago Bears to me. Just unreal special teams and defense that does all this stuff. And an offense that's not great, but doesn't screw it up. That's what it feels like after two games. But I don't know if they can keep up the, the very poor offense. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can rely on your defense to continue outscoring the other teams. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you count that's the field goals recipe. that they set up, uh, the defense is probably outscored or it's close. No, I mean, I think the defense is probably outscored because they got a field goal against Indiana, and they set up the two field goals in the second half. for, And really, a 20 of the 20... Uh, seven points were set up by turnovers by the defense. Well, and it's such an kind of- odd thing, too, in, like, modern college football where most of the, like, spread offenses and it's just the, – the, I think the SEC has kind of a, a, you know, a lot of defensive teams. Like, Alabama's usually got a pretty good defense and, you know, some of those other schools. To have just an absolutely dominant – like, the Ravens you know, in the NFL, like you said, the Bears, completely dominant defense – it's pretty rare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're old school. I don't know. The, the four three cover 2 still works. Still really well coached. Phil Parker is an incredible defensive coordinator. Absolutely incredible. So he's, yeah, just, just relishing how great they've been. And this might – if the defensive line, they're already really good. If they can keep developing, I, I mean, this could be an all-timer defense for a couple of decades. And they've got a lot of really good defenses. So that would be really, really amazing. So I well, you know. You have a couple of weeks for Petrus to – 
Well, that's where I'll out a little bit and, you know, see what he can do. Get some reps. They play two really great defenses. So if you want to, you know, hey. And Petrus had one. We're going to just acknowledge it again. That, that second quarter he had was great. He was 7 for 8 for 92 yards in the TD. He looked really awesome that one quarter. And then after that, it was just, ugh. It's just a whole lot of, of nothing. Couldn't couldn't run the ball either. It was like less than two yards of carry. It was brutal. Do you yeah, think we're... they're in the, like, the quarterback room's game planning that they're just saying, telling him, like, listen, we got this incredible defense. Just don't lose the game. Or is it just like this is just his ceiling? This is all he can do. Oh, it's both. Well, I don't know what his ceiling is. His footwork is still really rough. I mean, he, he's no doubt being told don't turn the ball over, take zero risks. And you can see like when he he errs on throwing the ball in a spot where it, it might be his guy can't catch it, but the defender's not going to be able to pick it off either. I mean, he, he definitely leans towards I got to pick the safe spot to throw the ball. At the same time, there are things that, even if he's told that, it, sometimes his footwork just looks really spotty and choppy. Looks like he just shuffles his feet awkwardly. He really can't improvise very well at all. As soon as the play breaks down, it's just, it, it really does feel like, okay, it's over. Just throw it away. You, you're done. I mean, it, it just, it feels that way every time. It's, the, it's just like the opposite. With Russell Wood, something you're like, oh, something amazing is going to happen. He's going to scramble and sometimes be wide up and down the field. It feels like, oh God, it's just going to be disastrous. So throw the ball away. That's that's what I get the feeling whenever the play breaks down. If it stays set, he's, he makes a really good read. He can throw the ball really well. He had one awesome, awesome play to Laporta. It was third and 15. I, I thought they were, Iowa's offense was going to wave the white flag, but Laporta found a soft spot right in the zone, and Petra saw it as well, and had hit it perfectly on time on target and it was a big first down so he's got he's got some chops but I, yeah he's definitely does not want to turn the ball over I, I think that's in his head all the time don't make any mistakes and we'll see but uh, yeah i hope he can get some confidence against some lesser defenses here the next couple of weeks and we'll see what he does yeah give give the punter a chance give the punter a chance to put the defense in good field position well, Tor- yeah tory taylor is amazing i mean he looked legitimately pissed late in the game where uh he was trying to do a coffin corner and he just barely missed it for a touchback. He was, he looked clearly aggravated with himself. It's like, this guy is unreal. There's all sorts of Reggie Roby comparisons. I don't know if that name means anything to you, but he was a legendary punter for Iowa. Played in the uh, NFL, right? Did he? Oh yeah. Yeah, he did. And Tori, Tori Taylor will definitely be a punter in the NFL as well. He's just, just outstanding. But anyway, we've got to show about the Hawkeyes. I hope I've convinced you that I'm excited about the Hawkeyes. I am Eric. I've got some trepidation. I'm not. Some of, there's going to be talk. Like, so you can go to ESPN starting tomorrow and like they have this playoff predictor thing where you can toy with whether or not your team makes the playoffs. And I last I saw was a 3% chance of making the playoff. You can really go nuts fantasizing about what I was going to do. I'm not letting myself go that crazy, but boy, there's a team that really ought to win the Big Ten West. But we also worried about getting our hopes up for another failure to win a Big Ten West because Iowa's been close a lot of years and just hasn't gotten there. So, Yeah, I think we're also burying the lead a little bit. I mean, you, you predicted Iowa to lose this game, if I recall. I mean, this is the uh, uh, pot of hot takes. You had a hot one, and well, this was, uh, yeah, you well, well, wrong. Let, yeah, let me, let me say, anybody that predicted Iowa State to beat Iowa – in the at all uh, on the website and in all the universe you're an absolute dummy how could you not have seen this game coming i I saw it coming i think i almost nailed the score by four points it's true 23 to 17 you were yes you you were very but you were wrong which i I was incredibly i want to make sure that's on the record here but you know what was nice eric usually with these iowa state matchups it's iowa being favored and everybody talking about how much better and more talented iowa is and for the first time, Iowa State hasn't been favored in this matchup for over 20 years, I think. 
Is that what it is? Why you guys, why Iowa fans are so uncomfortable with like now that they're a top five team? Because like like I said, my my family from Iowa was all up here. After the game, I was like, they're gonna be a, they have to be a top five team now. And they were all like, no 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 no, that's crazy. And I said, you just beat two ranked teams. You just beat a top ten team on the road. Like you got to be a top five team. And they were like, no 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 chance. And they were. It's of course they're a top five team. Is that you just you don't want the attention because then. You just have more to lose. Is that it? So just to give you the headspace for Iowa fans, Eric, I know you're going to think we're, we're whiny, whiny babies, but we've had a lot of teams that have come in hyped really early in the season. They come in really, really hot. They're expected to compete for a Big Ten title. They're going to be really great. We think this, you know, they're ranked 15th or whatever at the start of the year. And then they peter out early. Hype goes to out of nowhere. They're out of Big Ten title contention by October. And it's really deflating. Don't really want to get the hopes up. This is where people are very, very worried about and being guarded about. I don't want. I don't want to start this thinking this team's going to win a Big Ten title. That's going to hurt too much. It's Iowa's version of that. You don't want to be where Iowa State's fans were like coming and into the season. We've been that way multiple times. It's happened. So 2010 happened. Uh, that's a year where I returned a whole bunch of talent. Adrian Claiborne was on the defensive line. You know, Ricky Stanzi year. They ended up losing to Wisconsin early. They crushed Michigan State, and then they lost a bunch of games, including to, I believe, I think it was Tim Brewster. A Tim Brewster coached Minnesota team oh, that year. So they yeah. finished like don't, seven. Don't bring the name Tim Brewster on this podcast, please. Well, it was just, it was depressing. And I went to the game, and it was a year where, like, Iowa lost the same way every time. They had the ball late in the game to make a two-score lead. They fail. The other team scores and takes the lead. Iowa gets the ball back with a chance to score, and then they fail. And they did that several times that year, and they didn't win, and they were super hyped because they'd won the Orange Bowl the year before. They returned a bunch of folks, and it really stung. 2018, Iowa was super talented, and they just didn't win the Big Ten West, <clears throat> despite returning a ton of talent, being loaded, and stocked. And it just didn't happen. Well, this I, might be the year that the team – Comes in with the you know sort of medium expectations and just grows and grows and grows. I mean, if you look at the schedule, they shouldn't lose a game. I mean, really, look at it. Penn State maybe, Wisconsin so, maybe. Well, those are the two hardest games for sure. Like on paper, Penn State, it's going to be close. That one might be Iowa might be slightly favored. I would guess it would be Iowa because they're it's a home game. But you're talking Iowa by one, two, maybe three points at most. Wisconsin's probably going to be favored over Iowa, I still think. Wisconsin's got an amazing defense, and their offense is probably fine, despite struggling against Penn State. Yeah, Iowa will be favored in every other game the rest of the year. So you have Oregon, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama ranked ahead of Iowa. Sure. And Oregon just beat Ohio State, so that makes sense. But is Iowa better than those five, four teams? Iowa's not better than Alabama. Let me... Aside from you wanting to goad me into saying something insane. <laughs> no, I want the hot take. Does Iowa win the national title? I want to hear it now. Not with yes this offense, no. no. With this offense, even with this bad offense, Iowa can still potentially win the Big Ten West. But it's tough, to, even if they played Ohio State, it's tough to imagine Iowa beating Ohio State straight up. They might not uh, have to. Not to win the Big Ten West, but who do you think would win the Big Ten East if it's not Ohio State? Michigan, maybe. I don't know. Okay, well... A super talented Michigan who's got their, you know. Ohio State doesn't look good. I mean, they struggled against the Gophers. They're down at halftime and then lose this week. I know, you know, Oregon's obviously a top five team, but they didn't look great. No, but I I I think Ohio State will probably be fine. Their offense will keep them in every single game. I mean, they had 600 yards off. They outgained Oregon by 
couple hundred yards. I'm not writing Ohio State off because they lost to the team maybe maybe the best team in the Pac-12 by a touchdown. But we'll see. No, I, I I'd love to say something and say you know what I was the best team in this or any universe. There you go. It was the best team in the history of all football all time. They could beat every team in the NFL easily. That's how good this Hawkeye team is. Just utter dominance. But it could break. You know, I mean, it could break their way. They could play Penn State twice, maybe, right? If uh, they, could, they could play Penn State twice, they could be Michigan. I mean, some people think Indiana still could be a dark horse, so they could play Indiana again. I still think I mean, the odds on favorite. There's still a scenario where I was in the college football college football playoffs, right? Like that's totally in play. They're top five team right now. Of course, that's in play mathematically, of course. But they've got a here's and here's the reality. I'm Even trying to get you excited, and I don't think I can. It's crazy. I, I am excited, but I, I don't. I, there's too many things that can go wrong, Eric. This is what I'm saying, man. It's there are so many pitfalls, and more talented teams than Iowa have tripped up and have a bad game. As much as I think this defense is, I do think it's a top five defense in the country. I'll give you. I'll say that they might have to hold the top to bottom best special teams unit in college football. I'll even say that. They are incredibly amazing in those two aspects of the game. And those aspects compete with anybody. I'm not worried. There are only a few. There are a tiny amount of offenses that would worry me with this Iowa's defense. Ohio State's one of them. Alabama's is another one. There are very few offenses that if I were playing, I think Iowa's D would struggle against. Very few. With an offense this inconsistent is a nice way to put it. It, I just cannot bank on future wins. They're going to have a tough game against Penn State. Penn State's going to... It's going to be another frustrating low-scoring affair. The same thing's going to happen in Madison. It's just, it's just, that Northwestern's going to probably do Northwestern things. And I, I suspect the Nebraska game will be, Iowa will win, but it'll be uncomfortably close. It looks no, like Penn gonna... State Penn State plays Auburn this weekend. That'll be telling. It will. I mean, when we get to Big Ten play, we'll know a little bit better. It's tough because yeah. there aren't that many data points, and we teams are blowing out scrubs left and right. But, what I mean, what's the takeaway there? Just can't know that much. So we'll see. I, I, I am excited. The possibilities are there. I mean, but at this point, a 9-3 like season would be disappointing. If, if the Gophers were at this point, I would be just screaming right now. I would just, just be yelling, yelling to... roll the boat, elite. I would just be talking like PJ Fleck. I, I actually, <laughs> I told my wife, like, if they were this good, I, I'd dress like PJ Fleck for Halloween. Like, bald head with the stupid tie. And the stupid jacket, like, that's how excited I would be if the Gophers were this good. I don't know, Eric. I, I think you're you're overplaying. You were not that excited about the Gophers in 2019 when they were, whatever, it's 8-0, 9-0. They were never this good. They were never a top-five team. They got very close, I bet, in 2019. They I'm broke sure they the top the, ten at the end of the year, I think. I bet before they lost to Iowa they were in the top-ten team. I bet they were probably close to top-five when they lost to Iowa in 2019, buddy. Oh, I'll have to look it up. And I bet there were plenty of gophers saying, whoa, I bet they lose to Iowa. Those bums are going to disappoint us. I bet there was plenty of that. They were ranked 18th. When they lost to Iowa? Yeah, Iowa was ranked 16th. Okay. I guess I'm misremembering then. I thought I thought the gophers had cracked the top Oh, 10. wait, that's after the game. So, yeah, gophers were seven, Iowa's 23rd. That was, okay. The, that was uh, after post game. Thank rankings. you. I thought I was going insane. I was yeah. like, so how they were would the Gophers not be top ten if they were going into the now? game? They were number seven. You're right. And I don't remember you being giddy through the moon, screaming Skyuma or row the boat. I, I just remembered a dour Eric or whatever. They're just going to do. Yeah, I guess what happened? They lost to Iowa, and you know. So if I was the season screws up later on in the year, then I'll be justified in being mopey and, and not as excited as I should be. 
Is that what you're saying? Sure, but it might not happen. At this we'll point see. right now, they're undefeated in the top five team. That's true. Did you think you were going to say that? No, you didn't because you thought they were going to lose to Iowa State. Everybody thought they were going to lose to Iowa State. It was Everybody it, except me, my friend. Well, yeah, that's because you were pandering, but your pandering paid off. You were just letting Hawk fans know how much you, you want their, them to listen to this podcast and how much you secretly love the Hawkeyes. They'll see. When, when Iowa beats Minnesota, you're going to actually be really, really happy about that outcome. We'll see. I don't know. No, I, that, I, I will excited. not. That Actually, I, that would be just the sweetest thing, is if Iowa runs the table, they're ranked like third, second, third. They need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive, and P.J. Fleck pulls it out and wins the game. That would be just a fairy tale ending for me. But Oh, see, they get your revenge for 2019. And a 55-0 type game, that would be great. Well, that would be one of the most shocking outcomes in the history of football. No exaggeration. But 55 points up on this defense? Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, I, the defense is going to keep Iowa in every single game. I, I love this. 20. I'm, I'm totally stoked about this like 24-point streak thing. I just think it's super fun. It, all Iowa has to do, if they can put 30 points on the board, they'll win every single game. 30 points is more than enough. They, they generate that amount of offense. The defense will take care of the rest. So it's super exciting. So yes, I, I'm excited, but I'm I'm tentative. It's there's we cannot gloss over just how rough the offense has been the first two games and just think, all right, we're good to go. That offense would get eaten alive by some of those elite SEC defenses for sure. So we'll do see. we have predictions? I know we kind of talked about the Gopher Colorado game briefly. I think I think Minnesota loses that game. No 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 no. Let's let's take a step back. I want to bring people back to an earlier discussion. They may or may not have heard. I'm gonna give this is gonna be a direct quote about your take about Colorado. This is this is verbatim down to the syllable. This is this is Eric Lane, people. The Colorado Buffaloes are a joke. They've been a shitty football team since 1994. In fact, they're an outright embarrassment. There'd be no more shocking outcome than if the Gophers lost to the Colorado Buffaloes in this game. It's shocking that the Gopher the Buffaloes haven't disbanded their football team. It's such an embarrassment. They are terrible. The Gophers gonna crush them. Bet your entire every asset you have on the Gophers winning. It's free money. Colorado sucks. That's an exact. Actually, actually, I think my quote was something about Cordell Stewart. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about it. Yeah, you're like, well, I, I, the last time I knew of Colorado was 1994, <laughs> was so they must Cordell have sucked since then. <laughs> so if they weren't one of the best teams in the nation, I didn't hear about them. If they weren't one of the best teams in the nation, then they must suck. I, I, I yeah, try to dispel you of that. That's, that's going to be a really fun game. I'm really excited about it. I, and I'm just gonna. Just do a quick pause and say, I expect Iowa to beat Kent State. Looking for some offense from Iowa, but that's all I'm going to say about the Iowa-Kent State game. It's just not yeah, that. Yeah, and ho- I want to see Iowa score another defensive touchdown. I want to see see if they can run the table on that. But, yeah, I mean, they should absolutely win that game. So that's all we're going to say. So now we've got a tense matchup. So it started as a pick dead even. Buffaloes versus the Gophers. Now it's kind of shifting towards Colorado. So are you just incredibly disrespected by that line, Eric? Is that you know upsetting to you as somebody who believes the Gophers are far superior to the Colorado <laughs> Buffaloes? Well, I think it's probably directly related to the fact that they almost beat a top five team last week, lost by three points to Texas A&M. Yes, on a late touchdown in the fourth quarter, they led that game seven to three for most of yeah, it. Yeah, so I that's. That certainly makes sense why they they would be favored in this game, and their Gophers haven't looked great. So I yeah, I don't think I, I would pick Colorado. Okay, interesting. So I mean I don't is... know a ton I don't know a ton of like their players or their you know what they got going on, but just that fact alone that they almost beat Texas A&M and so, defensive game 
look, looking at their score, their defensive, their defense may be around there with Iowa. They've only let up 14 points. Yeah, that's uh, true. Or 17 points, sorry, this season. So we'll see if Minnesota can move the ball. See if Tanner Morgan can do something. I mean, he's got he's got to show something. I just can't believe at this stage in his career, the guy completes eight pa- eight passes in one game, and like you said, nothing in the second half. Well, they they packed. PJ packed it in in the fourth quarter. He's like, all right, we're just gonna give it to Trey Potts. He's gonna seal the deal. But can you do that against a good defense? Probably not. You're gonna have to make some plays. No, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be – I think Colorado's probably got the best defense the Gophers have seen. I mean, it's only the third game, so it doesn't mean a ton. But I think, yeah, they're going to be, be challenges. The Gophers' offense versus the Colorado defense. But likewise, a test for the Gopher D. I mean, this Colorado offense didn't do anything against Texas A&M. They scored 35 points against Northern Colorado. I know the, the numbers aren't amazing. Their quarterback, 23 for 40, 191 yards, 57.5 completion percentage running the ball okay i mean yes clearly they want to do a ball control thing so gonna see who can have the better ground game we'll see no it'll be, be an exciting matchup i said i'm i'm excited when do the gophers play colorado it's on saturday does it overlap with my hawkeyes it does uh, an hour later or no 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 earlier sorry we have a bunch of 230 kickoffs that's weird four the early right. game so, yeah so here's tanner morgan's numbers for the year 22 for 42 for 317 yards and three tds no interceptions that's okay yeah and the the two touchdowns last week were just like goal line passes if i remember right yeah but and but he occasionally makes really great plays he had one where he was like rolling out to his right and it looked like it was going to be dead to rights but then he hit some guy you know down the sideline just enough space and it was i mean it's like some really nice plays that he could make Sometimes it just seems to peter out. So with Trey Potts being good, how so you're convinced that Ibrahim, how many games does dropping down from Ibrahim to Potts lose the Gophers? I don't know. Maybe they lost one on last week because of that. You know, did they lose to Ohio State because of Ibrahim getting hurt? Maybe. So I, maybe you, know, he, you look at Potts' stats and you say, oh, it, you know, we just plug him in and he, same production. They just they ran the ball. He had 34 carries. Like, he had five yards of carry. It's not like he did that barely eked out 100 yards. Dude had oh, 178 yards. A, a really, really good yard per carry average. Sure, yes. Especially at the volume. It's also high volume and and offensive line pushing. It, it's just like back in the day with the old, like I said, the old Gopher teams, Barbara Maroney, uh, was it Russell, the other guy? Like, you get a ton of carries, you're going to get yards if you got a decent offensive line. Is he special? Maybe he's maybe a special. We'll see. He's sophomore. You know, but maybe even if he's, he's not special, what's the going from an elite running back to a a guy who's just pretty good? What I mean, what does that cost you game wise? Well, if he can average average five years of carry, I think they they'll win a couple games with him. That you know, same with Ibrahim. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. You're right. We'll maybe, I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to make the point that it didn't make a whole lot of a difference. That you know. They, well, I guess they, my point is, I don't know. Going into the rest of the year, like. What games do you think he, they're going to have lost because Ibrahim wasn't playing instead of Potts? I mean, that's going to be. I think this week will be a good a good example. Can you run run against Colorado? And if you can't, because either your offensive line's not making opening up holes, or your just running backs not hitting the holes and not breaking tackles, then will this show whether or not it was a drop off? I think this week will be a a good example of that. He's got speed, you know. He broke a few plays open, and yeah, I think if he gets gets in a, in a few openings, he might 
might be able to replicate some of that production, but it's hard to say at this point after just one game. No, that's true. No, it is. You're right. We'll see. But if he's able to run against Colorado or just there's no push by the offensive line, I mean, I don't know. Ibrahim is probably maybe better at yards after contact, but I felt like Potts was getting a pretty good chunks of getting hit. He did a lot of the work himself, I thought, of making really good cuts and bouncing outside when the interior lanes were clogged. But we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm pretty excited. So we are. We did this with Iowa. I mean, so you got Colorado, and this is this is a really really great. This is really just one of those swing games. You know, if the Gophers are going to hit eight or nine wins, they need this one against Colorado. Obviously, Bowling Green is a win. They're a, a bad MAC team. That one, the Gophers really should win comfortably. But once we're in that Big Ten slate, you were very very confident in the Gophers very early on. I mean, how many losses do you see for this unit? Are you still just waiting to see? Uh, well, I think the f- part of Ohio State game made me pretty feel pretty confident that they hung with the hung with the best, maybe the best team, but the barely beating the MAC team in Miami, Miami of Ohio was a little concerning. We'll see what they do against Colorado. Yeah, Bowling Green should be a win. Purdue should probably be a win. Nebraska, Maryland... Northwestern's where it might get a little iffy. Illinois, probably a win. Iowa, they might they might lose the last three games of the season. So, like you said, beating Colorado or beating Bowling Green, those are almost must wins if you want to finish above 500. Well, I mean, I think they will. So, I mean, let's assume they beat Colorado. They're going to beat Bowling Green. That leaves you Gophers at 3-1, and one, heading into Big Ten play with uh, eight Big Ten games to go. Illinois straight terrible. This Northwestern squad, it's early. They do not look very good. Their rush defense and rushing game looks really, really bad. I'm not totally sold on Hunter Johnson. He doesn't seem all that fantastic of a, of a player, and their defense doesn't seem to be quite as good as it was last year. So I really, I really think the Gophers should beat the Wildcats. Maryland is a little bit TBD to me. They're going to have some playmakers on offense, but I suspect that you know, they're, they're probably going to have a bad defense. It's going to get lit up. That's also very winnable. Nebraska looks like they've got at least a, a semi-competent defense, but I, I, their offense, I don't know. But that a loss to Illinois looks worse and worse. I mean, Illinois lost, got clobbered by Virginia and lost at home to Texas San Antonio. Yeah. So that, that is a bad loss for the Oscars. Yeah, Purdue, Purdue yeah. might be a loss. That might be a tough game. But you're right, Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois, those should – Probably be wins. And you're predicting a dream upset for the Gophers against the Hawkeyes. But then, yeah, Indiana. I mean, please, I just, I mean, I just want to. I want more data points. Indiana looked really terrible against Iowa, and that maybe that's just Iowa's got a great D, or they were also a little off. But it's just tough. These cream puffs always make it very difficult to evaluate anything. Maybe the Gophers will be favored over Northwestern. The Gophers will be favored over Illinois, and they'll be close. Um, they'll probably be favored over Purdue. We're going to be close. Close with Nebraska, close with Maryland. The only time they'll be big underdogs is at Iowa, probably at IU, and then at home. So I don't know. I still think there's seven or eight wins there, but they, yeah, they do have to get Colorado to get to that number. If they lose Colorado, it's a team that can go to a bowl game, but we're talking like a six and six, seven and five kind of. Right. Game. Yeah. We'll see. All right, I'm taking the Gophers just to spite you. I think the Gophers are going to win. We're going to see some greatness from Trey Potts, the Gopher offense. We're going to see some life for the Gopher D. They're going to make some stops. Maybe finally get some pressures. I, I, just one question. I, what do you think, PJ Fleck, in terms of his movie? He always makes these movie kind of recommendations and uses movies as motivations. Do you have a movie motivation for the Colorado game? Put you on the Man, spot. You're going to have to help me out here. Leonardo DiCaprio, he gets shot and left for dead in, like, Frontier USA. Um, the Revenant? The Revenant. Second, the, okay. the Revenant. 
Revenant. I'm taking one scene in the Revenant. You just show one scene over and over again. I think this is Revenant. I guess correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I, but I'm remembering a scene where they're just rows and rows of dead buffalo. Yeah, I think there's That's, just skulls and bones and stuff. Yeah. Piles of that. At one point, he's eating the flesh of like a. He's starving, and so he just sees some native people eating eating a bison. He just goes and just eats raw meat as he's starving. Just that kind of stuff. Just like this is what we're gonna do to the Colorado buffaloes. We are. We're going to make them extinct. We're going to just, that's it. They're and done. then cut a deer open and climb in it. That's, that's sure. what he's doing. Sure. I like what that. About, what do you have then for your... I was you... thinking something like Dances with the Wolves, you know, just sort of uh, playing with the buffalo. I think there's there's a couple scenes in that movie where Kevin Costner is just kind of out there with the buffalo. I think he, sh- he does hunt one, I think, at one point. So, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same. Along does he, the same is line. there a scene where he plays with like a baby buffalo or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, when he's falling in love with... Uh, Right, the the lifestyle. Style. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, I've not seen that movie in a long, long stink of time. Dances with Wolves. Our answer's in the same place. We're thinking of scenes with buffalo, which requires like vaguely westerns, frontier stuff. But okay, I like the slaughter, slaughtering buffalo better. I think that's a way better recommendation. I mean, that, that seems too dark for PJ Fleck. I, he seems like he wants something more peppy and positive. Do, yeah, do you know, like what did he? What did do you know? What he actually picked? I I don't know. I, I was just gonna say for those who don't know what we're talking about um a few years back there was some articles where pj fleck was like giving out batman pez dispensers and made everybody watch the dark knight before a game well, it's dumber than that can i just add just yeah a, yeah another it was really dumb. dumb he's talking about i remember it being about how to accomplish things so he, he would take a movie title and add the word how to it talk about achieving or how you do something so the one i remember yes was the first one was the dark knight so it became the how night which is Next level dumb. Crazy yeah, dumb. And he's walking around the hotel room passing up Pez dispensers. It's such a weird gimmicky shtick. The other one I remember, it, it was on his show. He had this show like Being PJ or something on the Big Ten Network. Oh, and uh, he he had an assistant coach come in and he was trying to explain to him about what they were doing. And they were putting the, the grail, the holy grail in a, in a display case. And he was trying to explain to the coach the scene in Indiana Jones and the last crusade where he picked the wrong grail. And he was saying those, those big 10 trophies, the, or the national title is the actual grail. And this, this is the carpenter's cup. This is the one we need before we can get the actual uh, Holy grail. And it just, the assistant coach just looks so confused. Like what are you talking about? This makes no sense to me. And he showed him the scene from the movie and, uh, it's just it's funny. So I thought we could do that. Talk about PJ's movies because oh, yeah, we'll do movie of the week. Sure. More funny than than anything. Dances with How and the Howvenet is the way we're gonna make horrible horrible wordplay out of those titles. So there we go. Is there our, our PJ Flex pick to click? I don't know what you call them at the end of this. All right, excellent. So very good. Skyuma, go Hawks. We'll be back next week, everybody. Bye bye.